Hello everyone, welcome to In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement, aka proletarian revolution. Uh, If this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for stopping by, it is great to have you. Um, let me know what you think of the show, uh, leave any comments, questions, concerns, any ideas for topics, any ideas for shows to check out, uh, yeah, and if this is you tuning back in, what's up, hope everything is well, glad to know that the program isn't so terrible, that uh, nobody would want to come back and listen again. Anyways, a couple things to start us off. First of all, uh, again, if this is your first time checking in, um, this is a morning commute, which means you are riding in my car on the way to work. So we're just going stream of consciousness here. We're just chatting about a little general plan of things. Um, But we're not going to be doing too much of a, a, shall we say, structured or formalized uh, lecture of sorts. Um, The second thing is that I am kind of sick. So my voice is gross. And I got a little bit of a cough and a sniffle. So if that is something that you don't want to listen to, um, and if this type of format isn't something you want to listen to, uh, please feel free to check out one of the other amazing episodes of the other incredible podcasts that are out, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you can also peek at some of the interviews that I've done, let me know what you think of those, Uh, yeah, anyways, so, (laughs) what's up, everybody? Everyone cool? Um, I know, for me personally, lately, there has been a lot of shit on my mind, on my plate. Um, I've been trying to record an episode, but nothing's coming out good, not only because I feel like I sound gross, but also because I feel like my brain is shot at this point, um, I'm just trying to, like, stay afloat most of the time, I'm sure people can respect and understand that, um, and sympathize, I definitely feel like shit that, I haven't been able to do, like, a lot of this stuff that I'm really committed and interested in, um, committed to and interested in, like, uh, I feel like a lot of the organizing I've been wanting to do has somewhat kind of stuck to the side as things have boiled up to the surface of, you know, different things that life hands us, right, oh so graciously, um, 
but I also feel like I haven't been able to read lately. Like, I can't focus. Um, and that, you know, a lot of the conversations I normally have with friends and a lot of the, you know, type of relationships and discussions that I want to engage in with co-workers and family members and shit, I just, like, don't have the energy for. And I feel like shit for it because, you know, I spent all this time trying to study, trying to learn these things for what? If I can't even, like, muster up the energy or the time or the ability to speak to folks about this shit, to record a podcast, to do whatever, like, I don't know, I feel like I'm just filling my head with stuff for the sake of filling it, um, and I don't like that, so I'm trying to get myself to be more outgoing a little bit. Um, I am a generally outgoing person, but I feel like lately a lot of the experiences that I've been having, a lot of the, you know, like interpersonal relationships that I've, and exchanges I've been a part of in my day to day, have kind of like jaded me, um, And I'm trying really not to be like that. But more than anything, I'm trying to, you know, really empathize with people who, you know, in a lot of cases don't have the opportunity that, you know, once you become aware of some of these things, become conscious of you know, how fucked up the world is, um, you kind of forget what it was like before you knew this stuff, um, and a lot of people just don't have the time, the, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, literacy rate, the, um, and that's not a dig, that's, like, just a failure of our society, um, energy, motivation to, like, learn about anything, let alone why and how fucked up the world is. Um, it, it does take a lot, you know, especially to have a principled conscious analysis rather than just, like, a simplistic awareness because, you know, it's, it's not easy in the sense that anyone has no excuse for not being able to get there, but it's quite simple to point out obvious contradictions within our society, right? It takes some time to get people to accept them, maybe, But it's not a difficult job to find stuff in our world that is either contradictory, counter, you know, kind of like antithetical to its stated purpose, um, harmful to the majority of people, 
uh, fucked up. It's really not difficult to find exploitation or oppression and suffering um, and point it out. And that's like the the base to, of course, our understanding of material reality is coming to an awareness of what is around us, what is reality. But we also have to take it a step deeper and ask ourselves why. Um, because that informs the how are we going to do something about this. So, of course, we at the show believe in people's liberation. We believe in revolution. We believe in people-centered human rights. We believe in the need for ownership of the means of production and the productive forces in the hands of the organized, working, and oppressed people. And we understand that this can only come through a process known as socialism. It cannot come under capitalism. It certainly will not come from fascism, which we and the rest of the world are soon to understand once again. And so, you know, we got to talk about here the idea of what that means, okay? If revolution is what we want, what we need, what does that mean? Why is that important? So I want to talk about the theft of revolutionary energy and the idea of revolution in the reality of true liberation. So I'm going to start with the idea of miseducation. So first and foremost, we have to understand that this is not an accident. This is not a failure of our society. This is not uh, simply, you know, white supremacy or simply patriarchy, but it's a combination of all the factors that go into what it is to rule and dominate a society. What is necessary as a tool or what tools are necessary for this maintenance. So one of the first ones is, of course, crafting the consciousness and mindset of the masses. So we commonly refer to this as miseducation poor education, right, improper education, uh, ahistorical education, useless education, but more than anything, this is education under capitalism, this is, un- this is education under a class society, because what is necessary in a society like that is control, so you can't allow even ideas, even ideas which you know, we might be able to say are immaterial, but that do affect the material reality. And so if you are a king, if you are a slave owner, if you are, uh, you know, a patriarch in a house full of uh, women that you 
basically enslaved. Um, if you are a capitalist, if you are a, you know, administrator of the ruling class government under capitalism, um, if you're a colonialist, if you're an imperialist, you can't just try to dominate in one facet. You can't just, like, physically occupy or physically enslave and capture a group of people because it will necessarily lead to resistance. So you have to craft some kind of ideology, but bigger than that, some kind of sociology, some kind of relationality between people that is accepted and normalized because the majority, the mass of people believe this is human nature, this is natural, this is the way it's always been and the way it will always be. This is done through, of course, the news media, but not just simply, because we have to understand that propaganda is everywhere. It's not just on Fox News, it's not just on CNN, it's not just on Facebook, and it's not just on Twitter. It's everywhere. It's in the advertisements for medication. It's on the signs. It's on, you know, the streets during the 4th of July when all the American flags go up in the pictures of the veterans. Um, It's in the history books. It's in the way that we talk to each other. It's in the music. It's in the media, in the movies, in the TV shows in the cartoons that our children watch, in the schools that they go to. It's in the universities which are historically said to be for or by oppressed peoples, such as HBCUs. A recent article posted by the comrade Erica Keynes, shout out to Erica, I don't think even knows me, but a friend of a friend does a lot of great work over at Hood Communist with Black Alliance for Peace, Liberation Through Education, or excuse me, Liberation Through Reading. Um, She posted a piece on Howard University's acceptance of a $90 million uh, endowment from uh, the either the U.S. government or the Department of Defense, one of the two, in order to start training more students to kind of gear themselves towards that uh, ultimate goal. And she spoke about the history of things like uh, Reserve Officer Training Corps, ROTC programs, your girl was in a tr- J. Rotzi program in high school, if you'll believe it. Um, ninth grade, holy shit. Um, that's me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but she also spoke about, Erica talked about the fact that like STEM programs, right, are really being touted as like the most important because they have 
practical application for things like militarism um, and policing. So it's also in the culture, right? Because oppressed people ultimately, as their oppression goes on, uh, have the cultural aspects of their peoplehood, of their nationhood, clipped in order to foment resistance and the capture of their own history and of their own destiny, of their own name, of their own existence. Uh, Because although ideas and culture and things like that are, in a sense, quote, immaterial, unquote, of course we know as uh, dialectical materialists that the ideal and ideas have a direct impact on and are reflected from the material reality which we exist in. What I mean by that is like in order for me to come up with the idea to cut down a tree and do something with it I first have to see the tree I first have to know how and have the material ability to cut it down and probably have had some experience in reality seeing a tree or wood turned into something whether it be a house or a raft or what have you so when we're talking about miseducation again we have to understand that this is part and parcel of Oppression. Tying into that, the miseducation and the kind of lack of conscious awareness, principled awareness, analysis, um, there's a very keen ability for the ruling class to either co-opt, take over, um, steal the energy, movement, leadership of different developments, you know, social movements, revolutionary parties, etc. And especially, it is quite easy and has been a tactic for ruling classes all over the world throughout history to infiltrate these different spaces. So, of course, we know a part of the history of COINTELPRO here in the United States. For folks who don't know... Um, COINTELPRO was an operation, um, the name of a 
uh, coordinated effort by the FBI and other intelligence operatives to infiltrate, co-opt, assassinate, imprison, isolate, criminalize, and, uh, well, yeah, kill uh, revolutionaries, Uh, especially black, indigenous, Chicano, Latino, Asian, and other uh, oppressed peoples who they said at one point, you know, speaking about like uh, folks like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, etc., they didn't want a quote, black messiah. That was uh, one of the terms they used in one of the documents that was collected by a group of folks who broke into, uh, uh, I think it was a FBI building um, and stole some of the documents. That's how we found out about COINTELPRO initially. But um, we also know that around the world, this is still a tactic. This is a tactic that the North American and European imperialists use in the third world um, and have used historically in their own uh, domestic situations. Um, it's a uh, it's a type of politics that leads to, or I should say, what what they do is they develop a, a type of politics, a type of organization, which is more geared towards, you know, first and foremost, of course, compromise with the ruling class, compromise with the state. But on top of that, it is also geared towards a lack of principles. So, for example, you have a sizable portion of the so-called left, which is supporting arming Ukraine um, and fighting against uh, the Russian Federation, which is, you know, actively fighting a war against NATO imperialism. Um, But, you know, you also have things like, uh, you know, a lack of security, you know, a lack of keen awareness about the fact that if you're really organizing against the state, can't just have like an open, uh, ended and available organization that anyone can step into because if and when you do, especially an above ground organization, you are always going to open the opportunity for, you know, that even, even outside of just simply like intelligence agents or, uh, infiltrators also like bad actors, people who are not good for organizing, who are going to lead to problems. Um, and that's not something that if we really are looking to develop a new world, a new society, a new, uh, way of relating to one another, we have to be looking out for one another. That means not keeping sex pests in fucking organizations. That means not allowing for racism or transphobia or any sort of bigotry. That means not excusing a lack of, you know, study, not excusing a lack of participation and respect for those who dedicate a lot of time to doing things. It's also a politics which is, again, pretty state-centered. So it focuses on things that tie us back into the state rather than use the state to break us away from uh, the capitalist imperialist state in order to develop a dictatorship of the proletariat or, uh, you know, a socialist state, um, 
more on that later. Um, but okay, it also, you know, uses tactics like repression, uh, isolation, and, uh, you know, criminalization. So, for example, when the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense was organizing, you know, the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover declared them the most dangerous organization in the United States and enemy number one of the U.S. government declared them a terrorist organization, similar to the fact that the Cuban uh, people have to suffer the consequences of being designated a state sponsor of terrorism, which we, as the people within the imperialist core, have to remove them from and ultimately scrap that list entirely, unless it's going to be used by the actual liberation efforts who are fighting against terrorism rather than fueling it like the United States is. For example, really quick, the United States was just discovered to be training 60 uh, ISIS militants to go into Syria. Um, so that's super cool, right? But like isolation and criminalization as well are like, you know, the blackballing and the uh, dogpiling and the uh, different types of slander that you see spread about revolutionaries. Like, you know, one that I can think of is like, uh, you know, Che was a racist. Um, folks might like to check out the episode by Revolutionary Left Radio with, um, oh shit, I can't remember the comrade's name, but they spoke about the fact that this is a, this is an example of where kind of hypocrisy reigns because Che, who at a young age was, again, you know, internalizing the world that he lived in, used language uh, that wasn't kind to black people. But then this was at, I believe, some point between 19 and 25. He went on to go on his motorcycle trip. He decided to join the Cuban Revolution. He went on to fight for the liberation and, you know, freedom for all Cubans, especially Cubans who suffered from the uh, reoccurring repression that is, you know, part and parcel of capitalism, but that is a tool used um, such as racism, such as segregation, such as slavery, such as second-class citizenry, all the different tools by which people are othered. Um, these are, again, uh, apparatuses, apparati of the capitalist imperialist system. So on that point, you know, um, you know, folks go to jail, they face cases, they get sued. Uh, the African People's Socialist Party deserves all our respect and solidarity and support. Uh, after their recent, only a few months ago, uh, FBI uh, break-in of their headquarters and the home of their chairperson, um, his partner, and one of the co- the regional chair people, uh, where they were targeted by uh, dozens of SWAT members. Uh, one of the quotes said that the 
regional chairperson woke up to over 60 red dots on her chest. Um, and still to this point, no cases have been filed. Uh, they haven't gone before a grand jury. Um, you should never go before a grand jury, by the way. Um, you also uh, shouldn't speak to FBI uh, officials. You should contact the, if ever uh, FBI uh, officer uh, visits your home or comes to ask you questions, you should simply uh, prove that you are who you are and that you live at the residence that you are at. And then you should tell them to leave and that you will be contacting a lawyer. Even if you don't have one, uh, contact the National Lawyers Guild um, and they will be able to advise you if you let them know that you have been uh, contacted by or uh, had an FBI agent show up at your door. Um, there's also a document online that's called uh, What to Do When the FBI Knocks um, that you can check out, but, uh, yeah, these are all, like, this isn't, this isn't, like, uh, a conspiracy theory, like, this is what happens, um, a lot of the Black Lives Matter activists who were organizing during 2020 have either turned up dead, have had FBI raid their homes, have had cases filed against them, uh, of course, we know the death of, uh, one of the comrades that was at the Stop Cop City in Atlanta, uh, I don't want to mispronounce their name. I know it, like, I'm not going to try to attempt to say it, but it starts with a T. Um, tort, yeah, I'm not going to try to say it. I feel bad that I shouldn't, I should know that. But, um, like, that, that's real, right? So, the land defenders, the fucking kids that are, like, indigenous peoples fighting against the theft of the land and the destruction of the earth and, the death and destruction of their people are literally targeted by the FBI, uh, the family members of former AIM members, the uh, family of former uh, Black Panthers like Fred Hampton Jr., who was on the FBI watch list from as early as eight years old, um, the mother of George Jackson, um, the family members and friends of all different uh, revolutionaries that who have been killed are immediately put on these lists to be watched, to be tracked, to be arrested or interrogated. So this is real. They also put drugs in our communities and guns and through the tools of racism, of segregation, of bigotry, of uh, kind of egocentric mindsets of hustle culture, of uh, uh, exploitation, individualism, uh, addiction, oppression, suffering. These things become tools by which we go on to kill each other. Um, this is across many different communities, but of course is especially in North America, focused on the internal colonies and the uh, oppressed people, uh, the indigenous folks, the African peoples, uh, Latinos, and others who 
have shown throughout history to be forces which the United States must uh, be prepared for a fight against. Uh, Chicanos and Mexicans who have had uh, half of their land seized, uh, the indigenous people who have been completely thrown into concentration camps known as reservations, their land taken, consistently targeted by not only the police but also white supremacists. Um, of course, you know, we also have to talk about how uh, homophobia, transphobia, sexism are also used in these ways um, because at the end of the day, there's many different contradictions within society and there's not like one group of people that we can say is the most oppressed or the most harassed or the most discriminated against. But if you look down the line, uh, there are many people who suffer multiple different levels of exploitation that are inescapable. Whereas, you know, someone like myself growing up white perceived as male, um, semi-smart, not extremely poor, not well-to-do, but went to school, had a job, could pay my bills. I do not ever have the ability to say that I've experienced the same type of suffering and oppression as others. Um, that's just a reality. Um, but it's also not a scale, right? We're not here to, like, measure suffering. That's never what the goal is. We should unite together so that all of us can face the people uh, causing our suffering with arms in hand, uh, each other's arms, right? Wink, wink. Um, and uh, stand firmly against the oppression of the ruling class. But lastly, I also want to add in here something that I feel like we get kind of um, mired down in incorrectly. And social media is a huge part of this. But so is, again, everything that I've mentioned prior, but especially miseducation, a lack of principle, a lack of study. Um, and that is left anti-communism. Um, and anti-communism in general, anti-socialism. Now, it's not a phenomenon that it's, is exclusive to the United States. Uh, Europe has <laughs> proven throughout history to have its own uh, extremely adept attempt to wipe out communism, aka fascism. Um, of which it replicated and reflected on the U.S.'s own model. Russia, prior to its revolutions, of course, also, and still to this day, throughout a lot of the former Soviet republics, there is a strong state-institutionalized anti-communism. There's de-communism laws in Ukraine, which of course have led to the closing of trade unions, trade union properties, the closing of social organizations, the criminalization of social movements, of organizers, of activists, the imprisonment and death of members of the 
uh, Leninist and communist and socialist parties. Um, those two brothers, I can't think of what their last name is. I'm so fantastic with names, as you can tell, uh, who got arrested right at the beginning of uh, 2022, right before the special operation that began in February. Um, but it's also uh, historically true in Asian nations, um, in Latin America, in Africa, that communism, socialism, Marxism, whatever you want to use as a phraseology, um, is criminalized. It is misinterpreted intentionally. It is caricatured and made into a uh, false image. It is criminalized. It is isolated. And the people who so much as do not agree with this type of repression are themselves, whether or not they actually adhere to any of these ideals, criminalized, harassed, imprisoned, and killed themselves. Ukraine is quite popular for this. So were the Nazis. Um, that poem that a lot of folks quote, uh, folks forget, starts with, first they came for the communists. Um, in the concentration camps, the labor camps in Germany, the earliest ones were built for communists or supposed communist sympathizers. So, yeah, I mean, it is important to understand why fascism is what it is and why things like, you know, anti-communism, but specifically left anti-communism, is so rampant and so inherent to the capitalist imperialist system and also the North American history, but also histories of the world. Again, the U.S. is not unique, um, at least not in that way. So we, we have to understand that anti-communism, whether it's from a left, center, or right position, ultimately tends to have a couple things in common. It has adherence to and repetition of state-sponsored talking points. That's one of the biggest things. So, like, you'll hear people who call themselves peace activists, who call themselves anti-war activists, who call themselves leftists, who call themselves anarchists, who call themselves socialists, who even call themselves communists or dialectical materialists or Marxists who are the arbiters of the state-sponsored ruling class talking points. And that's ridiculous. And I shouldn't even say it's ridiculous because it's like, it's ridiculous because it's frustrating because they think that they're like really fucking intelligent and like 
you know, for example, you see the way that folks argue with each other on social media. And it's not a, here's my thought, here's your thought, let's reflect, let's think about this, let's use some critical analysis. Like, nine times out of ten, there's insults. Like, for disagreements, where usually, honestly, both people are fucking wrong. Um, not to say that I'm right, but to say that most of us don't know what the fuck we're talking about, and we just open our mouths. Um, we gotta really stop doing that, uh... You know, especially those of us who want to organize, those of us who want to make change, because we're we're making not only a bad image for ourselves, but we're like cementing habits which are not good. Which is, you know, again, not only just a lack of like quote unquote study. I'm not talking about just open a book and you win. Like you you did it. You you did the thing. I'm talking about like really do some investigation. Talk to fucking people who are dealing with the situations you think you want to learn about or you think you know about already. Actually put yourself in the situation that you have to learn. You don't get to just say I know or you don't get to just look in a book and say I get it. But you actually have to take the time to get to a point where you don't only just understand from a surface level, but where you understand the contradictions, you understand the history, you understand the way it connects to other things, and you also understand why and how you are going to try, especially in the case of what we're normally talking about, to put a stop to this continued systematized exploitation, oppression, whatever. Um... It's not enough to read a book on India and say you understand Indian history. It's not enough to say that, you know, I talked to my homie who is black, and so I understand what it is to suffer and be a black person in this part of the world or in X country. It's not enough to say I'm a part of this organization, so I know what it is to be socialist or I'm a revolutionary because... In a lot of cases, these organizations, these ideas, these realities do not live up to what we think they do, especially when, you know, we're being lazy in a lot of cases. We're being unwilling to put ourselves in a position where we can be wrong. And I know from experience that I don't like to do that shit a lot. It makes me uncomfortable. But that's how you learn that uncomfortable feeling is important because it means that you're pushing yourself and you're not just simply laying back with what you think you already know and rocking with what's in your head instead of what's in front of you. So that's another thing about, you know, especially left anti-communism is it's based on what we might call Not just simply, quote, idealism, because I think that's a cop-out, and a lot of people have different definitions of what that even means, and it's also a word that has different definitions in different contexts, but what it really comes down to, again, is a lack of kind of putting yourself in the soil, as uh, Amilcar Cabral talks about by planting his feet, you know, in the soil rather than... um, sticking with what's in your heads and what's in up and up in the clouds um sorry i think that uh in a lot of cases we fail time and time again especially those of us in the west um in north america and imperialist core countries to put aside our 
puritanical belief system, to put aside our historical American exceptionism, to put aside our racism and transphobia, our heteropatriarchy, to put aside our ideals and our pure hopes and dreams for, you know, the fucked up world that is in front of us. Like, again, um, it isn't enough to just know that things are fucked up, but once you know things are fucked up, it helps you to understand, like, okay, how do we move? Because if you understand not only how fucked up things are, but why and how they are fucked up, like, what exactly is causing that reality to exist, that is one of the most crucial details that allows for what we might call, like, a scientific approach or, like, just a calculated response, right? Like, when you... When you want to make an argument or when you have to make a decision about what car to buy or let's make it even simpler. When you want a snack, right, you don't just go eat any snack. You don't just go into the cabinet and just fucking rummage around and grab in there, do you? I mean, if you do, God bless you because you're not a picky eater like I am. But in a lot of cases, at least for me. I do a little didaction, and I think to myself, okay, first of all, what do we have? Okay, what time is it? Do I feel like cooking? Do I have all the ingredients if I do feel like cooking? What do I need? What kind of time do I need? Okay. You know, go get the ingredients. Boom, boom, boom. There's a process. There's like a, a an analysis, a reflection, and an action. Um, the three A's, I guess. Didn't even mean to do that, but there you go. Um, wait, no. That, <laughs> that was analysis, reflection, and action. <laughs> yep, the three A's. The three A's. Oh, my goodness. Here I am packing another bowl. What the fuck? Um, But yeah, so like, you know, that was kind of a joke, obviously. But my point being that you don't want to just step out and do something out of like an emotional response or out of a reaction to something that has happened. Because then in a lot of cases, you're acting on kind of like impulse, which isn't helpful in a lot of situations when you really need a concrete uh, kind of thought through, decisive, principled, uh, realistic, and appropriate response or action. So yeah, I mean, I think the last thing I want to say before we wrap up and talk about, you know, why revolution is the only way, I think we have to understand that in order to have had any change on a world scale or on even like a society-wide scale, there has to be like a real genuine shift in not only thinking, right, because that's kind of where things start, But once you start thinking a certain way, then your action, then your relationships, 
those relationships turn into collectives. Those collectives take on a new thought process, a new type of decision-making, a new type of relationality, new experiences, new habits, new uh, approaches, new you know, patterns of reflection, of critique and self-critique. Uh, but then also, you know, have to have like a real dynamic, like break from what was in order to go to what is or what must be. Because inherent in the new society that we will be developing in the future will be the reminiscences and the leftovers of, and, or what Marx calls the birthmarks, of the old society. Because the new society will be born of and from the people themselves who were raised, born, lived in, educated, socialized, and developed in a reactionary, imperialistic world. So in order to begin developing socialism, we have to deal with that reality. We have to deal with those contradictions. And we have to make as much of a clean break from them as we can. But we also have to understand that this is not a one-two-step thing. This is a process that takes generations. So if and when we look at this or that actually existing socialist country and we say they're not really revolutionary or they're not really socialist or they're not really or communist or they're not really Marxist-Leninist or whatever. What we have to understand is that we are viewing a phenomenon that is epochal, generational, at a very minute, brief point in that process and oftentimes through the lens of either an individual, an individual speech, a brief period, a small minority, or a mistake. A mistake that every human being probably would make in the same circumstances, but that you and I don't know because we're not building a revolution here. We don't have a communist party. We don't have the ownership of our means of production and productive forces. We don't have socialism and we don't have a revolution. But we do have a history of struggle. We do have a history and uh, pre-existing revolutionary parties. We do have communities and people and collectives and organizations who have been taking part in these struggles for years. They have mistakes, they have successes, they have failures, they have breaks, they have all kinds of histories that we need to not only understand, but use today. And here is why. Here's why revolution, why people's liberation is important and also necessary. Because the society which creates and reproduces the relationships, the socialization, the economic realities, the oppression, the racism, the sexism, the transphobia, that 
leads us to the point that we are all at now where we are depressed, where we are anxious, where we don't have jobs, where we can't afford housing, where people are dying on the streets, where cops are rampantly murdering people, where the oppression and genocide of indigenous peoples, of Latinos, of Chicanos, of Asian folks, of disabled people, of trans people is normalized, it's institutionalized, and it's actually a part of why you have McDonald's. It's a part of why you have, uh, you know, thousands of cable channels and Netflix and Hulu and HBO and YouTube and Wi-Fi. It's why you have the brand new PC your buddy just built you. It's why you have all the weed in the world that you can smoke. It's why you have Hollister. It's why you have all of the things that make our society what they are today. It's why settler colonialism exists. It's why capitalism exists. It's also how capitalism exists. Colonialism, imperialism, and all of the symptoms that come with them, all of the oppression, the enslavement, the subjugation, the exploitation, the segregation, the interwarring, the conflict, the death, the destruction, the poverty, the suffering, all is part and parcel of capitalism and imperialism and is necessary for the ruling class to stay in power. But you know what else is true? Because of that, the inherent need for people to resist, to fight back, to struggle, to learn about one another, to come together, to fight for what is really uh, liberatory and just, to truly exercise their ability to be human beings, to love, to think, to grow, to develop, to give, to build, to be successful for the sake of one another, to uh, collectivize and share the resources that we all desperately need to build a world worth saving. Um, Not to say that this world isn't worth saving or cannot be saved, but to say that many people today don't feel that it is because it's so fucked up. And that should tell you something. And that should also tell you why we need a revolution. So um, all power to the people, folks. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day, night, whatever time it is for you. Please let me know what you think of the show. Feel free to reach out at indefensibliberation at gmail.com. No caps or spaces there. You can also find my website, uh, defensiveliberation.wixite.com forward slash website. And you can also find me on Instagram, indefensiveliberation, or on Twitter at redstarbitch420. Um, it's all love, folks. Uh, onwards and forwards, long live revolution. We'll talk to you soon. Peace, love, and socialism.